Cause we got the alternative energy Unnecular free autonomy And welcome to the Radioactive Show Produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne And heard nationally on the Community Radio Network Okay Uh, Hi, my name's Emma And I joined the walk because it's a really important cause to me And it feels great to do something so important Awesome. My name is Sasha, and I joined the bike ride because I think bikes are really cool, and I <laughs> like being a part of this community. My name is Sarah Margaret, and I walked because it's a cause I've been really grown up around, and I've been passionate about it since I was able to form my own opinions, and I think it's just a really great community of people also. Hello, and welcome to a two-part special on the movement towards a nuclear-free future. Walk, Ride, Run that happened in April 2015 from Tennessee to New York in the United States. Jem and I were both lucky enough to join a contingent from various parts of Australia to participate in the journey. People converged from France, Aotearoa, New Zealand and across the United States to make up a group of 30 or so walkers, riders and runners. We started at the Y-12 nuclear weapons facility at Oak Ridge, Tennessee, significant for its role in the Manhattan Project, which built the nuclear bomb that first unleashed its terror on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Y-12 is still operating today and continues as a highly contested facility for the storage of fissile material and the maintenance of the US's vast stockpile of nuclear weapons. The walk aimed to arrive in New York in time for the UN Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty Review Conference travelling a distance of over 800 miles across eight state borders, staying at many, many churches, colleges and a taekwondo studio and treated to potluck community dinners almost every night. These two shows will relive the journey with us and meet some of the people devoted to creating a nuclear-free world with every step. We began each day at 5am with a hearty breakfast and the morning circle meeting. Hey, Shay, what time is it? Do you want to tell? Circle time. <laughs> circle time, isn't it? Woohoo! Sitting down one. Yeah, okay. What are we going to do in circle time? Say our names. Yeah. My name's AC Hunter, and I'm from Te Wai Punamu, which is the South Island of Aotearoa, New Zealand. And what brings you on this movement towards a nuclear-free future? Um, Well, I guess it was an opportunity not to be missed. I'd heard about the previous walks into the NPT. Um, I'm involved with the Walkadura Walkabout over in Western Australia and I was really excited about a group of us coming over here and sharing the stories from over there about what's going on and um, I guess contributing to the overall picture of the nuclear chain as we head into New York Mm. to this conference about nuclear weapons. Um, Yeah, and just because my friends are on it. Sure, my name's Ken Jones. I live in Asheville, North Carolina. I'm 65 years old, just retired from being a professor of teacher of education. Mm All right, so we've just arrived in Fredericksburg. Um, you start out by introducing yourself, Don? Uh, my name is Don Cunning. I now live in New Jersey, but originally I'm from western Pennsylvania area, Beaver Valley to be exact. 
So, Don, what brings you on these walks? This particular walk, of course, is for nuclear disarmament. Uh, I suppose I first became afraid of nuclear weapons when I was in second grade. I remember our teacher telling us to go home and tell your parents to dig a shelter, a bomb shelter, in case there's a nuclear attack. Of course, I ran right home and told my father, and he said, you go home and tell your teacher, you go back and tell your teacher that if there's a nuclear attack, there'll be nothing to come out of a bomb shelter to. Everything will be destroyed, which I did, and the teacher said, your father is absolutely correct. Yeah. <laughs> but to do something about it, I started... That started more in 1982. I joined a organiz- loose organization of peace activists. Uh, and I thought right away, the first thing they would say is, well, some means of disarming nuclear weapons. But in fact, their opinion was all wars have to be stopped in, in the bud because that's what leads to nuclear weapons. Mm-hmm. So I moved from uh, the Beaver Valley to D.C. in 1984. And in 1985, I was at a demonstration against nuclear weapons. And I was offered or shown a program of walking across the country with a group called the Great Peace March, which was started by David Mixner. And I think that's probably where my education started with nuclear weapons, uh, Mm -hmm. The facts, the figures, how much it costs, what money could be used for other purposes. My private philosophy has become, I do not know all the figures, I do not know all the facts, but I do know that we could never use any nuclear weapon, not even one, because if you use one, you may destroy the country you drop it on, the, drop that bomb on, but you will also destroy your own country. So it doesn't make any sense to carry nuclear weapons, to to have them at all, which was the theme that we developed on the Great Peace March. I'm Beth Kelly Zorbanos, and I live in a tiny rural town in northeast Georgia. Well, I have been walking with Footprints for Peace for about 10 years. and with the Nipanza Mihoji um, order as well. And um, here, I was here five years ago for the walk into mm-hmm. New York City and wanted to join in again. And I've only been with the group just for the last week. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was your first beginning with um, Footprints for Peace? What motivated you to join that first walk? Well, um, a vigil, the first time I met them was a vigil at the Y-12 in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. And um, the group had just come down from Cincinnati, that area in Ohio. Mm -hmm. And that's when I met them all and um, saw that there was quite an active group who were doing more than just coming to the events they were coming there in a very special way mm-hmm. to bring more attention to the problems. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's where I first met them. Mm-hmm. There's a very active group that vigils at the Y-12, OREPA, mm-hmm. 
individuals there every Sunday. So it was quite a collection of activists there. Where's this going to? Australia. Hey, everybody in Australia. You've just heard from AC, Ken, Don and Beth, who were all on the movement towards a nuclear-free future in the US in April 2015. It was called a movement because some people walked, some rode bikes and others ran the distance in a relay. Everyone enjoyed blisters, pulled muscles and a test of will. We asked AC, Beth and Ken about the significance of the act of walking. I mean, I, th- I really enjoy the pace of walking and moving through communities at a rate where people can catch up with you and talk. And um, it's a different medium for getting the message across. Um, I think it's interesting because people are drawn in and amazed that you're walking long distances and that will appeal to a large range of people or intrigue a large range of people. And then when they find out what you're doing, they, you know, they might not have initially... Um, been interested but mm. yeah they uh, so it's just a way of uh, it's a bit of a stunt in some ways to get attention but um, yeah it's also about um, taking time to create a community that's moving together and we're people from all over the place um, and really being aware of the land that you're working on and the changes that are going on and you know every step is a step for peace and and the way is peace it's not trying to get to somewhere it's trying to go with a peaceful heart and a peaceful mind and to carry that every step and and to realize that it really does have an effect but none of us really know mm. how broad or wide or how how much but this my one of my teachers is Thich Nhat Han and he says Life is dreadful and wonderful all the time, all the time, every day, every moment of every day and night. And that if we just get bogged down and we think only of the dreadful, then we're, we're just miserable. We have, to, we have to contact those things that bring peace into our hearts in order to transform these other things. I was telling somebody I was describing it as sort of a walking prayer uh, because the uh, the Buddhists uh, uh, hit their drums and chant as we walk, and uh, many times you're walking in a very kind of meditative place in the country setting. Not always. Sometimes mm-hmm. you're walking walking in the city next to traffic. Um, but it, I like moving. I like walking. It feels uh, like an action. I mean, literally an action. And um, I was describing it to someone else who said, did you get any media attention? And I, I thought about that for a second. I thought, well, you know, we are sort of a form of media, you know, because as we walk the highway with our banner and our chant and our presence, we actually are planting seeds, a message as people drive by, and a lot of people drive by. And so it seems to me in a very small way that um, it's moving through people's minds as well as their countryside. Mm-hmm.
We woke up to the mesmerizing chants of the Nipponzon Myohoji Buddhist order every morning before light. Denise and Utsumi joined us on the walk and are part of the Nipponzon Myohoji order, which was created specifically to work for peace and the end of the atomic age. Many of the participants on the walk have long histories of activism and walking. We now hear from Don and Ken about their early transformative experiences as peace activists. When we were walking in 1986, there was a lot of negative comments from passerby in their cars, comments made, and people were afraid to to uh, disarm nuclear weapons. Now, now, we were discouraged somewhat in 1986 that there was so much negativity, but it was pointed out to us, or to me particularly, that the weapons basically from 1950 to 1986 were accepted by the American public because they felt it was necessary to have them in case because the Soviets had them. Well, if we don't have them and the Soviets don't have them, then there's nothing to be afraid of. Now, and now it's 19, uh, excuse me, 2016, 2015, another 30 years go by, but the, the common person, the people that come by on the streets that support us, they see how idiotic nuclear weapons are, that you cannot be used. So that's a good start to me. Mm. Now we have to convince the people who make the money on nuclear weapons mm. that they have to be taken down. Mm. That's going to be another problem, but a lot of things in life were never going to change. For instance, slavery was never going to be ended. Uh, it used to be a time the senators were appointed, not elected. So things will change. It, it just takes time. We just have to keep telling people over and over, you cannot use a nuclear weapon, so why do you have it? I feel personal transformation happened to me when I was uh, in college. I got drafted to go to Vietnam, and I refused and went to Canada instead. Mm. And that was a life-changing event for me. Mm. And... Um, Ever since then, I've sort of lived a lifestyle and had a mind and, a, and actions that are anti-war, uh, anti-militarism, and as time has gone on, anti-capitalism. Uh, and and I, I, in the past few years, I've been very active with the School of the Americas Watch. I not only go down to the vigil, but I've um, been on several delegations with them to Honduras and El Salvador and Guatemala and Haiti. Mm. Um, I have a dear friend in Venezuela. I've been to Venezuela several times, been to Cuba with Pastors for Peace. Mm -hmm. Um, And, I mean, all of that is just what I was saying earlier. It's, in a sense, bearing witness, bringing back to others what you see there. But at the same time, it's also... It's sort of one step leads to another. It's like a pilgrimage, you know. It's like one step for me leads to the next, to the next, to the next. And... um, you know, it's all connected, the militarism and the capitalist, the extreme capitalism and nuclear power. And I was just out at something, um, a, a five-day event in Nevada to try to shut down Creech Air Force Base about mm-hmm. drones and those sort of things. I mean, yeah, I'm devoting more and more time to it. And 
various causes, but they all revolve around um, sort of an inhumanity and a callousness to the earth and to other people. Radioactive show brought to you this week by Gem and Crunch. This is part one of our two-part special on a nuclear-free walk, ride, run towards the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty in New York, which took place in April 2015. You just heard reference to ongoing resistance to the School of the Americas, which is a long-running military training program credited for many of the violent coups in South America. The community created on the walk is one of the special and powerful aspects of the experience. And a few weeks in, as we started to bond, we muse with AC on what it takes to be a walker. Do you think there's something about doing something like this that attracts strange people? (laughs) Yeah, well, judging by the collection of individuals. (laughs) Probably. Um... Yeah, I think you've got to think outside the square. It's not something you'd normally do or think about doing. And I think before I did these kind of walks, it just seemed like a weird thing to do that I wouldn't have thought about doing. But once you start doing it, it's actually, um, like, it's really normalised in my life now. It just seems (laughs) like, yeah. In fact, it's been weird coming over here because I feel so familiar with this group of people, you know, half of whom I haven't met before. But you're kind of part of this international family of Mm. walkers and peace activists and anti-nuclear activists who share a lot of similar um, values Mm. and and our particular branch which is like this the walking on the ground street variety Mm. um yeah it's this community focus and being able to laugh at yourself Mm. um and get up at 5 30 in the morning and things (laughs) yeah yeah, it's not everyone's cup of tea. For a lot of people, it's like too much time. It's too slow. It's they'd rather do a bunch of things on the internet, or you know, be in offices mm. and writing things and making publications or whatever. It's really, yeah, probably a lot of people are like the the outcomes aren't like clear and immediate and obvious enough to to want to embark on it. But I feel like we, we just have to let that go and let it be its own like a journey that reveals so much. And it, sorry, I'm just like randomly talking. Now. <laughs> okay, <laughs> good. But like I realise last time I went to Western Australia that the walks have created this really strong community that's so committed to peace and the anti-nuclear movement. And it, I think doing stuff like this creates this kind of deep commitment that you can't get from doing other fast mm. online things. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And sometimes it's a process, I reckon, of people kind of giving into that or surrendering to that or, <laughs> you know, finding it difficult, dealing with struggles.
The community of walkers is a special phenomenon and everyone has their own personal journey and reasons for taking part. Let's finish up by hearing a few reflections on what compels the walkers to keep going step by step, day after day. We've um, met a lot of people along the way. I've stayed in a lot of many churches. And Do you come to this from a background of religious beliefs or is it other beliefs that motivate you to participate? Uh, well, uh, as a teenager, I, I was fairly active in, in the churches. And when I first started in uh, the, like these organizations, I came to realize that if it, were, if it were not for religious groups, there would be no peace activists. Now, I don't agree with all, with all religious, act, of course, with all religious philosophies, but they do say peace is ultimate. Peace is, no matter which religion it is, if it's a Christian or if it's Muslims or if it's whatever, their basic thing is a golden rule, do unto others as you have, do unto you. And that's, that's peace for sure. That's what that is. So, so it's not particularly... Now, it's not particularly a religious view, but it's a common sense kind of thing for nuclear weapons. But again, it, it, religious people are very peaceful, peaceful, loving folks. So, um, And do you think there's any, um, do you have particular significance to the act of walking? You've been involved in many walks over the years. Yeah. And what does that carry for you? Right. I'm often asked, what good does it do to walk? Well, if, if I'm in a car, one thing, and I see people walking by, whether you walk a lot or not, you know walking is hard. And uh, uh, so they see the signs, they say, wow, these people are really dedicated. And it's like throwing a pebble, it's like throwing a pebble in, in the water. It, that, that first ripple expands out, and, it, and, it, and uh, that's what the walking is like. You throw a pebble in the water, you don't know who you're going to walk by that day. You may walk past a future general. You may walk past a future congressman or a future senator. And this maybe this is a young person, and they see the dedication that these people are going through, and, you, and it starts the wheels turning in the head. It starts people thinking. So uh, that's what walking does and for, for the outside people. Now, for me, I, I've heard once a congressman say, he pays no attention. I go go to a lot of demonstrations in D.C. because I'm pretty close to there. I live pretty close to there. And I heard a congressman say, I pay no attention to these people in demonstrations because if there's two or 3,000 people at a demonstration out of the whole country, see, what good, can, what good can it do? Well, maybe he's right. But I know that if I'm ever standing in my yard and I see that great mushroom cloud in the sky, I can at least say, before I'm incinerated, I can at least say, well, I, I did something. I try to do something, rightly or wrongly, uh, wrong, I try to do something. How do you feel as, I guess, as a citizen or as a, a person living in the U.S. Um, about the role that um, the, your country has and I guess what individual people and communities can do when up against such a big machine of the military complex? Well, the sense is that... Um, we have to do something, and although we don't know if we'll ever, ever be able to stop this violence that's within the world, um, 
we have to just individually and collectively do something and and do something for peace. Oh, you know, being an American, now that you mention it, mm. um, and especially when you're to other countries, you, um, you know what a force we are in the world for, uh, I want to call it evil. Um, I think that's fair in many cases. Uh, and there's a sense of responsibility of being in the privileged country. I'm a white male, privileged, not poor. And, um, you know, I don't have a sense that I'm going to change the world or maybe change the government or anything, but it's at the same time, it's it's down to who am I and what do I stand for and what am I going to do in sort of solidarity with peoples of the world who are often the victims of my very country. So mm. I do feel a responsibility, and I um, take it to heart, and it, mm. it matters to me. And it actually, taking actions like this walk and other events is something that actually gives me hope and sense that I don't just sit around despairing about it all. Yeah. You've been listening to part one of two special radioactive shows on the 2015 Movement Towards a Nuclear-Free Future from Tennessee to New York. On this show, we've heard from many walk participants. Emma, Sasha, Sarah Margaret, Shay, AC, Don, Ken and Beth. Next show, we'll bring you more voices from the walk and discussion of the nuclear sites we visited. All sounds and interviews were recorded by us, Jem and Crunch. While taking part in the walk, this has been the Radioactive Show, produced in the studios of 3CR on Wurundjeri Country, otherwise called Melbourne, and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. You can email us on radioactiveshow.3cr at gmail.com, or you can find us on Facebook. We'll go out now with Ralph's rousing song, especially written for the journey to New York. You can come on foot, you can come by bike, you can come with us any way you like. You can walk, you can run, you can pedal, you can crawl, any mode of transportation will accommodate them all. Cause we're on our way, come on and see, we got something to say to the NPT. We got a marching order we're on a mission to demand nuclear abolition. If we want to have a future, there's only one choice. We're idle no more, and we'll speak with one voice. So everyone will hear, and everyone will know. Nuclear weapons have got to go. You can walk, you can run, you can sail, you can fly. Got the right equipment, you can paraglide. Don't matter how young, don't matter how old, don't matter if it's hot or if the weather is cold. Oh, nothing's gonna stop us or throw us off track, cause we're in the door and we're never turning back. We got a marching order, and we're on a mission to demand. Nuclear abolition, if we want to have a future, there's a only one choice. We're idle no more, and we speak with one voice, so everyone will hear, 
3CR's national programs? Coming at you on community radio stations around Australia, produced in the studios of 3CR Melbourne. Services will be cut, jobs may well be lost and workers' entitlements will be undermined. Their basic human rights are as important as everyone else. Over 200 million years, individual species have evolved. I mean, birds were once dinosaurs. Anything nasty online seems to be targeted against women. Muckety is a bad deal, but muckety is absolutely not a done deal. You're listening to Women on the Line. Welcome again to Lost in Science. And welcome to another edition of the Radioactive Show. You've been listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. Hello and welcome to Accent of Women. Anarchist Wall this week. Listen to Beyond Zero, global warming science, solutions and action. You are listening to Let the Bands Play. Tune in to Stick Together, worker stories and union news. Grassroots Voice is broadcast weekly on the Community Radio Network. Genocide here is a lot more sneaky than it is in Rwanda or other places around the world. It's one thing white fellas learnt in the last 200 years to be very sneaky about their genocide. You look at the 38 nations that were here before white settlement and then you count up the numbers that are still surviving, still out there doing their business on their country. Well, there's only 25 left, so what happened to the other 13? Let's talk about the Black GST. Genocide to be stopped, sovereignty acknowledged and treaties made. Tune in to Fire First every Wednesday from 11am till 12 midday on 3CR with Robbie Thorpe.